Lovelets and I am the host of this show where we talk about things like improv and comedy and the entertainment business and entrepreneurship and creativity and really anything that we want to talk about. Uh, I am Norm Lovelets. I am a co-founder and co-owner of uh, Improv Asylum and Laugh Boston and a few other things and places in the entertainment world. I am joined as always by the lovely and talented and the slowly aging backward Ari Goldberg. Hello, Ari. Hey, how's it going? I am, uh, yeah, I'm, I was born uh, 99 and I am now uh, 26. So you do the math. Yeah, you're 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 our very own Benjamin Button. <laughs> very nice. Uh, how is everything going on your end of things, Ari? Everything's good. Uh, Jack dropped by today and paid rent, um, which was it's always a delight when he drops by. Sure, the the, the tenant that that moved in in September has never slept a night there, but still shows up every month and pays your rent. I I just. I'm so intrigued by that entire uh, situation that I, I love hearing uh, updates on Jack, the mystery tenant. Yeah, I mean, he we don't charge him utilities because that would be silly, but because he doesn't use them. But we do charge him for sleeping here. Well, uh, whatever you're doing, Ari, you're doing it right. And as an entrepreneur, I approve. <laughs> yeah, it's my own little business. Uh, I'm a I'm a corrupt landlord. Yeah, yeah. See, you're slowly entering into the business of of being a slumlord, and uh, <laughs> you know it's good to have aspirations. You know, you would think that landlords would be better because they see other landlords, but I guess it's all just yeah. It, leopards don't, don't usually care. change their spots like that, uh, regardless yeah. of what what is going on. So, well, good. Glad to hear it. Mm -hmm. uh, things are things are uh, the same on my end. Uh, all going well considering so just getting through getting by uh and for those of you that listen to the show uh, oftentimes you know that we start the show uh i use kind of three metrics roughly speaking uh in terms of how i i look at whether i want to give my interest or uh, intent to uh and and they, they basically are does it make me money do i love it or am i intellectually curious uh about it and if it hits any one of those boxes i'm, I'm willing to explore it so we usually quickly talk about those things so from a making money standpoint um, it, it is interesting, Ari, that we're definitely starting to get more and more uh, corporate inquiries specific to making uh, content or videos or songs uh, for the corporate world uh, in, in various different for different conferences or training endeavors. We're starting to see that, you know, certainly I wouldn't say that it's any kind of rush. But, but I can say that there's a trickle, a trickle of work uh, of that nature starting to come in. I, I, had a, I had a pretty good call actually right prior to this. So, so it's interesting to see that work starting to come in. Now, are those mostly uh, recurring clients or new clients? Or? Uh, a little bit of both, a little bit of both. So the, so the client that we're working with uh, on, the, uh, on the song for their training, uh, their training, that's a repeat client or, or as or really, it's somebody that worked with us at a different company and then they moved to a new company and they really enjoyed the work that they did with us at their old company. So they reached back out to us. And then, uh, and then the call that I had today is, was with actually a production company here in the greater Boston area that we've done 
you know, over 20 years, we've done, you know, various different degrees of work with, uh, but same thing, they're getting a lot of these kind of inquiries from their clients. So they reached out to us and said, Hey, you know, we've worked with you guys in the past. And in fact, they even had said some of their own clients had referenced us. So they're like, maybe we should give them a call and get them involved. So, uh, so it, it's interesting to see where that business is starting to come from. Cool. It's comforting to know that people are still thinking about Improv Asylum when the world is shut down. Well, it really is. It's nice, uh, you know, because sometimes, sometimes in our position, uh, you know, you look at these things, and you're like, does anybody care? Does yeah. Does anybody? Does the world need any of this right now? And 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 in fact, this was a conversation I had this morning with Will Uera. Will Uera uh, is uh, he'll be coming in as our new artistic director, but one of the, the most accomplished improvisational directors uh, and, and teachers in the world. And so we're excited to be uh, bringing him on board. But what we were talking about was was the online classes because I know I know so many people have rushed to do that, and I've been very hesitant because mm-hmm. uh, until there's a way that I know that we can do it that truly offers value i'm not just going to do these things to do them and and one of the things that we were talking about was like when when all this hit you know like the world ended on friday and on on monday people are offering you know improv classes online i'm like i don't know is is that what the world needs at the moment as you know the apocalypse is dawning an improv Mm -hmm. class online like everybody just yeah. give it a break for a second. Uh, but now that we're you know a month or a month and a half, two months behind us, we're starting to really kind of look at that. So so we're moving forward with some of those things. Uh, so there's that. Uh, love, uh, you know me, uh, I'm always getting, and, and our guests will be able to talk to this and, and our guests she'll understand where I'm coming from. Uh, I, I love uh, I love getting books from the dump in Duxbury. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, uh, they have a book barn. And we've talked about it before. Uh, I, I like to get, uh, I, I always come out with armloads of books and my wife gets very mad at me. Uh, and, and I also use that as a marketing strategy for my own book where I will always leave one of my own books in the in the book barn <laughs> just to, you know, see. Uh, and I sign it and yeah, it seems to always be gone when I get there. I think I'm going to be very depressed when I start seeing it show back up. Uh, so... So I'm doing that, but uh, but I, I I love this book that I'm currently reading. It's called The Honor Society: A Portrait of Italy's Most Powerful Mafia by Petra Reschi. Uh, I love uh, I love all things mafia. I, I enjoyed uh, enjoyed looking that stuff up. It's a good time for me. Uh, but what makes this book very interesting is that it, it's a German book. It's written by a German reporter from Germany. Uh, writing on the the mafia of the various different uh mafia organizations in italy but it's been translated into english uh so it's a very obscure but very interesting book so i've very much been enjoying that uh and then in terms of intellectual curiosity uh going back to the chicken coops ari uh, mm-hmm. and working on it's looking like it's going to be an eight hen coop oh okay so that means that it's going to have uh a house eight hens and and apparently uh, apparently that once the hens start laying, I'm told that you can expect on average one egg a day. So uh, I'm I'm yeah. very excited by that. Yeah, that's that's a pretty nice rate. I don't know. I guess it is. It sounds good to me. Uh, you know, I'll be able to pay off my chicken coop in eggs in about three years. So it'll be pretty good. <laughs> Pretty good. So those are all the things that I'm working on. Uh, I'm excited as always because we have so many uh, cool guests that come on this show. Uh, it's we're, we're very fortunate in that sense. And and in our next, oftentimes on the show, 
we're, we're talking with entertainment folks, actors, comedians, writers, stuff like that. But so much of what we talk about, even in terms of our own creativity, is how it gets applied in the non-entertainment world, in the non-performance world. And, and I think if, if anything, it's more important. That's the more important thing because most people aren't going to be performers. And so this next person that we have in the show, I think is a great example of just what the hell you can do when you bring creativity to your passion and and wanting to make a difference in the world. So uh, the, this next person, I'm, I'm very excited. She's the co-founder and CEO of Top the Organic Project. Please say hello, Ari, to Thyme Sullivan. Hello, Thyme. Hello. You are sounding great today, Norm. Happy to be here. Oh, boy. Again, the, Hi, com- Ari. the compliments are rolling in. Everybody knows how to really play to the talent's <laughs> ego. Thyme, I thank you. Ari, I thank you on that. Uh, how are things, Thyme? Oh, my God. Things are amazing. Um, I was just wondering, so yesterday the sun was shining and it's amazing how low we have set the bar that just when the sun shines, we're in such a good mood. And it was my birthday um, and I was worried about having a birthday in quarantine, but it was actually amazing. Have you heard about these birthday parades? When they, when they drive by your house and they like, they honk and they, they, they do signs. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, which is amazing. And that's what they do when you're a child. But when you're a grown up and you have a birthday parade, your really nice friends also each leave a bottle of booze on your front lawn. And oh. it's quite, um, we uh, got quite the bounty yesterday. It was a fantastic birthday. I may not have to go out to the liquor store again for quite some time. It was really, it's a wonderful tradition. And I think we should, we should carry on with this. Well, that is fantastic. And happy birthday. Uh, and thank you for joining us. And we're, we're sorry that you've had to celebrate your birthday in quarantine. But, uh, but as we were talking, Talking uh, offline before, hopefully in the fall you will go and you will treat yourself and uh, you will just you know take all of that booze and that alcohol and just, uh, <laughs> live in sin for a week somewhere. Exactly. So that's. I I also wanted to mention. Um, I didn't know you were a chicken guy. Um, we have a chicken coop as well, by the way, and we have <laughs> nine new chickens and out in our coop for real. Oh my god, I was like real deal. And my husband is so into it. He has hand-built this amazing chicken coop that's almost as nice as our home, and it's painted to match our home with the same color trim and paint color. Um, and he ordered them through the mail. He had to go pick them up at the post office. So, 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 Ari, this is not a setup, because I did not know. No, I, absolutely not. not I did not know this about that. And the only people who know about the chicken coop is me, and because we've only talked about it on the podcast. Right. And, and they haven't come out yet. Right, and all those ones haven't come out yet. So, so am I a chicken guy? Not yet. But 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 I've, I've, I've been I've been very intrigued by this and 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 it's very interesting because one of my best friends he builds love just like you talked about with your husband builds these lovely lovely chicken coops. Uh, so finally, I'm like, you know what? I, I just want to get one. I want to do it. Uh, I like that kind of stuff. And if I can't have a, a, you know a, a thousand acre ranch, maybe I'll just start with the chicken coop. Uh, so I'm very excited. So 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 your husband and you guys, you like it? You you enjoy it? Well, t- tell me about. The oh chicken. my god, this is our this is our second rodeo, Norm. This is our second rodeo. This is our second round. So there was a very unfortunate um, chicken massacre that we will not speak of um, that may have involved some type of Fisher cat last summer. Uh, it was a little tragic, but um, we will persevere. And actually, those were all named after the Kardashians. And um, my daughter named them. She's not naming them this time because she's afraid to get too attached. But um, my husband, who's actually an animal scientist, ordered them through this 
like website and they sh- they show up at the post office and they call you when they arrive in this box with all the holes in them. Like, did you get them that little? Did you get like the little, little oh, chicks or are you still? I don't, I, I, I'm still in the, my friend is building me the coop and my wife knows almost nothing about it stage. Oh my God. Well, we will talk because now I'm a, <laughs> I'm a chicken widow. Um, so yeah, he spent a long time out building this coop. And when they come like, for real, you're going to have to talk to us. They lived in our basement in a, in a, like a Sterilite bucket uh, for the first couple of weeks. And then they were out in the garage and like an MMA octagon that he built. And uh, now they've just graduated to the coop and they've all got feathers and we're not going to get a single egg till August. Apparently it's kind of a, it's long, it's a long thing, but once you do, you actually do get an egg per chicken per day. I, I can't even tell you how happy I am that, that this conversation has happened. So that's great. We will definitely talk more about, about that. But, but more importantly, and, and, and what I was saying at the top of this is, you know, sure, I'm based in entertainment and comedy and stuff like that. But the skill sets that we learn and that I learn uh, both as a performer, as a creative and how so many people who go through our classes and stuff like that, it's really about where you apply it next. And, and I think you, Ethan, uh, are a, a fantastic representation of what somebody can do. So, you know, I, I gave you I gave you that uh, introduction. You're the co-founder and CEO of Tops, the organic project. Uh, when I just say it, for anybody who doesn't know what that is, it, it sounds almost like some kind of super secret government uh, program. Uh, so why don't you tell us? Uh, what it is uh, that you do. Thank you. Thank you for that great introduction. And we definitely wanted, you know, TOP um, is an acronym for the Organic Project. And it's because it wasn't just a brand, it was a movement. And what we do is we make amazing um, plant-based tampons and pads. Um, They're organic. They're also um, uh, plant-based. They are better for the environment. They're um, just... It's, it's a product that, or a category that was largely ignored. And I had come from a consumer products background, but much to exactly probably what you're going to talk about is when we first started to talk to people and investors about having a, a you know, selling tampons and pads or amazing organic tampons and pads, people weren't really interested in talking about it. And it was kind of a taboo topic. And it wasn't until we decided not to take ourselves so seriously and truly be fearless and put ourselves out there in my amazing tampon costume so that it ta- so changed the dialogue. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, so let me stop you there. So, so let's let's really go back. Let, let's dig in a little bit to to you know your consumer your consumer products background. But but where did you know where where did the seed or the the gene uh, the genus of this start? And what was that from that? to getting in front of investors and, 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 and being, you know, either dismissed or shot down by investors. Like, like take us through the, the, you know, the conception process through, through that. Oh, absolutely. Well, so my background was I had worked over 20 years for um, Coke, for Pepsi, and then for Nestle USA. You know, my first job was driving a Frito-Lay truck. Um, and my last job was, managing wholesale grocery for Nestle USA, the world's biggest food and beverage company. And I had seen that all of our, you know, people were concerned about the foods they were eating and where they came from, you know, all the organics and the non-GMO and uh, gluten-free and all these other trends that then moved into things like cleaning products. And then my daughter started asking for organic lip gloss. And I realized that there was a category as I have a teen daughter, and I know you have a house full of women also, Norm, that there weren't any good organic and it's not something you really think about but there weren't any great organic products out there 
And it was really, you know, when it started out, it was, we wanted to make a better products for our daughters. I have a co-founder, um, my cousin, um, who had an amazing background in branding and marketing with um, several big uh, companies as well. She worked with Kate Spade and Ann Taylor and um, Coach and Talbots and had this great branding and marketing. And we had daughters and we thought, you know, this is a category that nobody's talking about. And we wanted to not only talk about the lack of transparency and the lack of good organic options, but there was also this, you know, environmental piece. There was a major social impact um, piece with uh, period poverty in the U.S. But it was such a serious topic and we really didn't want to fear monger. And when you just go out there and you say, hey, you know, this is a product like you, you should use products that are organic and you should use products that are better for the environment. And you're just kind of on this soapbox, like nobody, they, they didn't care. <laughs> and it was, it was very difficult. We, you know, going out to raise money to, to do this, um, we were both the breadwinners in our families. Um, so we left big corporate jobs and big teams because we felt really passionate about this. But just going out and be, being passionate for a cause really didn't resonate with anybody. I mean, we probably met with 40 to 50 venture capital groups last summer and everything they said about fundraising is true. Like there's no fun in fundraising. They didn't, everybody, they were very dismissive. They didn't get it. They said, there's already tampons and pads. We don't need another brand. There's very little Um, imagination, right? I I mean, I mm -hmm. I think that, I think that the, the oftentimes the the perception of, of, let's say people that, that aren't, uh, you know, creating their own businesses or going out or raising funds or raising money, you, you you think that you're going into these rooms with, you know, obviously, you know, some of them are, you know, rich and successful and they've invested in all these companies. So they must have this incredible vision. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how v- little vision that they have. And, and on mm-hmm. one level, it's easy to be uh, dismissive, uh, of that, but on the other hand, if if you take the emotion out of it and you look at it analytically, it's not their job to have vision. It, it, you know what I mean? It, it isn't. So 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 you you if you're going in expecting that they're going to have it, they don't. It's their job to figure out if they want to put money in something and what their return is. So I think that that's it, it can be jarring when you first start getting those experiences. Oh, it was terrible. I wasn't used to that level of rejection ever in my life. It was soul crushing. It was it was a very tough tough time to, to have all that rejection but now you know what you it know, feels like to be uh to be a comedian oh my god it was, it was but it was but i'll tell you but we but when we went into it we just assumed with our pedigree i mean face it we were mature founders coming in we weren't right. like 20 somethings coming in um we were talking about a topic that they they don't use the product they really didn't see the need for another product out there um you know so we're coming in and but we were really coming in very textbook. Like we have this, these great corporate backgrounds. We've led these big teams and, and um, you know, we know everything about sales and operations and branding and marketing, and we're going to build this textbook brand. And we just weren't very authentic and we didn't bring ourselves. We brought mm-hmm. our briefcases and our pedigree and it really, um, and that's why they, and I think that's why they didn't get it. And once we became much more authentic um, and brought some levity to it, you know, I just think why I love improv and what you do, Norm, is because people love a good story and people want to have an emotional connection. And and we had lost sight of that by going out and pitching a very like textbook brand, how we were going to build a brand just like we had built them at, you know, at PepsiCo and Coca-Cola and Nestle. 
Sure. And, and it's, it's very interesting too, because when we talk about, you know, authenticity and, you know, being who you are and be that as an individual or as a company, that's something that's learned and, and, and it's learned at, at any given age. And, and I've been doing my business now for, for, you know, over 20, 20 years. And, and I definitely learned that about, you know, I've always been somewhat, you know, you, you try to be as true to yourself, but, but I don't know, you know, my first 10 years, I didn't have any background in these kind of business meetings or whatever. So you spend a lot of time. I, I felt like I, anyways, I spent a lot of time initially saying what I thought was supposed to be said, saying what I thought, you know, uh, sounding like what I thought the, the boardroom wanted me to sound like, um, which is definitely not me. And what I found, and I, and, and I, you know, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you may have found this to be true yourself, but I'd love to hear your experience. I found that the more I leaned in to who I was in these meetings, the better response that I got. And, and what I mean by that is, I'm not a super nice guy. I'm not a, you know, like, I mean, I'm a good guy, but, but I'm not like, yeah. I'm not touchy feely. I'm not here. Like I kind of kind of come out with the attitude of like, I don't give a shit what you people think. This is what I'm doing. Uh, this is how I, I need to do this. And this is how it's going to get done. And the more I was kind of like, I don't care if you do business with me or not, the more I saw people were drawn to it. I mean, so much so that, and Ari, you can even speak to this because you've been around, you know, enough meetings with me or with my staff. I literally have my staff sometimes before we go into meetings tell me, hey, hey, Norm, can you just, you know, just be careful or dial it back a little bit because, and my answer is always the same. I'm like, oh, absolutely not. I'm like, no, mm -hmm. no, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I'm not dialing anything back. And now that you said it, I'm probably going to even exaggerate it even more <laughs> because that's what they connect to. And if they don't connect to it, great, let's move on. And, and I think that was the experience that I found with myself and finding my own, you know, on stage, we call it voice, but I also found that in my business voice. And it sounds like that's something that you're describing. That is exactly what happened. We were trying to please the investors. We were trying to, you know, take in all their advice and, and you know, all the things that they wanted us to do. And really, it wasn't until we just stopped. And I think because we had worked so long in corporate America, like you're trained to stay in line, like stay in line and follow yes. the rules and do what you're supposed to do. And like, and don't get out of line. And yeah. to unlearn that and really our business didn't take off until we, we had to train our brain that always when they tell you to go right, we had to untrain ourselves so that when they go right, we go left. And yeah. it's not until you do things differently, but it's hard to do that. It's not instinct instinctively. You want to do what you're supposed to do. It's hard to go the other way. Well, it's, it's very difficult because we're not as, as human beings and as adults, we're not trained that way. Right. I, I mean, and it's not just you, it's not just corporate America, corporate America. It, it starts in school. Right. right. And, and, and so that, that's what happens. And, and that's why, that's why I'm such an advocate for putting the artists into your business. And an artist does mm -hmm. not mean somebody that isn't disciplined, that's flighty, that's not educated, uh, that that can't uh, stick to a deadline. That That's not what I'm talking about. What, what I'm talking about mm -hmm. is an artist has been trained to oftentimes, and I use this term all the time, you zig when others are zagging, right? I mean, that's what, that's what an artist Absolutely. is trying to do. And, and, and we as artists or as creatives on stage and certainly coming from comedy and, and an improv, I, I got so comfortable with that, that it allows me from a business standpoint to see things, I think, very differently than other people see it. So, so I think w w until you get to that point, you do kind of just fall in line with everybody else.
You do. And I, you know, and I think I'm instinctively that person anyways, you know, if I drive to Logan airport and I pull into the parking garage and it says park to the right, I always go to the left because why would I go where everybody else goes? Because there's not going to be any spots over there. Um, And I just think that you have to get comfortable with be comfortable in your own shoes and be the same person. I also saw too many people through my corporate career that truly were one way at work and one way at home. And I was like, you know what? That's insane. That's so much work. I'm like, you know, you look at like an entrepreneur I love is like Sarah Blakely. Cause if you look at her, her company Spanx, um, her, you know, her corporate page and then her personal, um, social media she's the same person and she's so raw and humble like she shows you like that her house is a mess during quarantine and that her kids are screaming and like that she's just like so authentic and i hate to keep using that word it's probably overplayed now but she is who she is at work and who she's at home and and i always say that i'm like i'm not going to be everybody's flavor but i can't be somebody else it's just easier to just be yourself whenever you try to emulate somebody else you're going to fail you have to be who you are and people like love it or hate it but you will find your people and people that get it yeah it's 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 the idea you know you, you these terms and they can they can sound somewhat cliche but but you know there's a difference of do you want to go wide or do you want to go deep right and Mm-hmm. Look, uh, not not everybody's going to like me and my style, uh, even within my own industry, and and others will resonate better. That's that's with, but but in depth, those who dig what I do tend to really go deep with it, and so that's that's how you know I've always looked at it. So so you, you started to find that that voice, right? And and where is is there a thing, a time, uh, you know, a moment that you can say, aha, this is when we really started to nail our voice and, and who we are and what we were doing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, so we had finished the, the, oh, I don't know, what would you call the opposite of the summer of love? It was the summer of unlove, I guess. Um, last summer, meeting with all the investors, and we were having coffee at Wegmans in Westwood, um, because it was a free, like free Wi-Fi where we could uh, work. And we were completely out of cash. We were out of cash. Nobody wanted to invest in us. And we had been trying to uh, build a very traditional brand. And we finally said, why are we doing this? If we wanted to do it traditionally, we both could go back into corporate America and get very similar jobs and probably more money and have a completely complacent life. Um, So I said, if we're really going to do this, we just have to do it our way. And I literally went online and it was in the you know late summer, so HalloweenCostumes.com. And I found a tampon suit. I was like, I'm going to sign up. We can't afford PR. So I'm going to buy this tampon costume and it's, it's hideous. It's like made out of boiled wool, like with little like face holes, it's got this like super like heavy duty, like string. It's, it's really the, I don't know why they would have it unless you owned a tampon company, but they did. And so I bought it and I said, I'm going to run the toughest 10K for women in Boston. It was, you know, a month from then or whatever, two months. I said, if we don't get noticed and don't do things radically different, because everyone said, oh, you're a CEO, you can't wear a tampon costume. I'm like, yeah, I can. I'm like, it's really funny. I'm like, and I said, and I just, we just, it was kind of like, I listened to Lady Gaga on um, Oprah's Super Soul sessions. And, sure, and uh, Oprah was like, soul. oh man, come oh on. Oh my that God. Yeah. I, grew, I, I dig that stuff, no doubt. So she's talking to Lady Gaga. She's like, what's up with the meat suit? And she said, the meat suit, she goes, I probably wouldn't wear it today. She goes, but when I did that, you remember the meat suit she wore to one of the awards shows? Yeah, she dressed up like a steak. She looked amazing. Um, She said it wasn't about this. It was about, I needed people to see me and then I needed people to hear me. And people didn't notice me when I was just another, she's like, so I had to be kind of extreme. And I kind of was like, oh my God. I was like, that's exactly what we were doing. I was like, I just needed to 
put myself out there and listen, like how many like people do you know who would put themselves all over social media in a tampon suit? But because I did it fearlessly and I owned it and I put it out there, people were like, it's really funny. And before only women would talk to me about it. And now I have people like Norm um, inviting me to their podcast and to their, you know, the improv asylum because we, it's funny and it's, it just made, it, it, it gave everybody permission to talk about it. It changed the narrative. Running the race was hysterical. Like I, you know, you're, it's a huge race in Boston. Um, I was like, this could go either way. I'm like running just as a tampon. My friend's teenage daughter decided to use my spare suit. We ran together and people, we were like rock stars. It was the, it was probably, it's, as far as I started this company, it was one of the greatest days ever because we people were so happy for us and cheering for us and and it could have gone either way. Well, that that is the exact example, right? Of of saying of taking that that leap of faith, and and you have to do it within, but at also time, while it was a, a leap of faith and it could have gone either way, I think it also, but it, it was real, right? Like it didn't like oh fun's doing that and that's so not her at all and it's such bullshit and it's fake no like you're like yeah no you you, you did embrace it you did lean into it and and what, what i always say you especially when you leadership right we do a lot around leadership training and stuff like that and and i hear from a lot of leaders saying like well but but i, I can't look stupid in front of my people because i'll lose i'll lose my status Right. And, and, uh, and I would say like, no, that, that's not where, that's not where status and respect comes from. Right. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, and I'm sure you're the same way. And I, and I have, you know, within these companies, we have now somewhere like between 80 and a hundred employees within the companies. Uh, I'm willing to do the stupidest things for the company because it's also part of my personality. Mm -hmm. I don't mind doing it. Um, but I'm also, and everybody understands this serious as a heart attack when it comes that time. And, and, and it's not right. mutually, it's not mutually exclusive if, as you just said, you embrace it and you own it and, and you're very true uh, to yourself about it. I, I've always said, you know, for me, and it's probably the same, sounds very similar to you. If the barrier to entry is looking stupid, then there's no barrier <laughs> of entry for me. Uh, I'm like, okay, well, who cares, right? But that takes a certain amount of courage. Not everybody has that courage. And I'm trying to give people the courage to put themselves out there because otherwise there's no difference between us and any other brand. And if you can really show, you know, it was kind of the joke, like the old boxes of tampons used to say you can run and bike and hike and horseback ride. So I'm like, look, I was like, I, so I started making YouTube videos. Like I went to yoga and I went and got my hair done and I went to the park with my friends and we went up for Bloody Marys and it just, it was like, you could, it's like, I, you know, if you can do anything dressed as a tampon, like you can do anything too. It was, it really turned into this kind of uh, empowerment thing. And I love it because, you know, it's just opened so many doors that wouldn't be open unless people would be like, you know what, like, that's kind of funny. Like, sure. Like, let's talk about your company and your brand and, and, and how retailers noticed us and investors noticed us. And it just kind of snowballed from there. And from a bit and from a business standpoint, right. You, you know, you, you and, and you, you coming from, you know, high level uh, corporate, uh, corporate development work, you know, that you could have hired a, a, a PR slash marketing firm that would have charged you a hundred thousand dollars to come up with four different ideas for you. And then to execute those ideas, mm-hmm. it would cost another hundred thousand uh, dollars. And who's to say that they would work because it may or may not be of your brand where you're like, put on a tampon, go for a run, have a drink and run a camera. Yep. I, I mean, what did that cost you? Barely anything. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. And I'm telling you, like, if any of your listeners, like, look us up on social media, I'm shameless in my suit and go anywhere. I actually, like, I have a dozen of them now. Probably the hardest hit that we had is one of the things I wanted to do for my birthday that I usually celebrate for the whole month is we bought 12 suits because we wanted to do a flash mob in uh, Times Square because... I love the suits and they're amazing and they're really flattering. And it's funny, right? Wouldn't that be funny to see a whole box of tampons in Times Square? Of course. It's, it's, it's funny. It it gets your attention. It's thinking differently. It, it stops people in their their track. You know, for me, what, you know, one of my favorite, uh, you know, uh, entrepreneurs is uh, I've always been a huge fan of Branson. And I think Branson has always, Mm -hmm. look, look, he can come off at some point as, as many people can, you know, as, almost douchey in in the in the sense of of the stuff that they do and i think that's exactly where you almost kind of need to be uh there's almost mm-hmm. famous uh, i will create the movie called almost douchey uh in that yes that's, that's how you get out there and you're willing to try and and, and and if you can put yourself out there it's fantastic and so so within our own relationship and and for for our listeners so so Thon is from duxbury that that's how we know each other uh, uh through 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 here living in the town but but that's when we started talking about uh, for no rest for the wicked funny uh, saying like well hey you know talking about sponsorships and i reached out to you and you're like well you know okay is there any way we could put an actor you know, for, you know, one of your shows uh, in a tampon costume. And again, my immediate response was, yeah, that sounds funny to me. <laughs> sure. But you, you didn't just do one actor. <laughs> so we didn't just do one actor. We ended up because ultimately, if you can do one, you can do more. And, and you know, it's, it's why people like uniforms and why people like seeing uh, athletic teams or military uh, units you're, you're seeing a uniformity that that catches the eye. So we did more, but then you had the idea, which, which was like even, you know, even kind of a, I won't say stupider, but was even pushing the envelope even more. We're like, well, within your hour at no rest for the wicked funny, and we'll put the actors in and tampons, we'll do improv as tampons, uh, which I thought was great. We said, well, what if we made that uh, the, the bloody Mary hour? You know, that was your idea. I was like, yeah, that's, that's almost kind of gross. I like that. <laughs> it's hysterical. No, but people loved it. I'll tell you what, like, I hope you invite us back next year. That's going to be our, our Christmas party from now on. Like, we're going to take that and run with it. Like, there was, like, my head, like, I was full of ideas that day. I was like, there's so much more we can do with that, Norm. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you got, I mean, we'll, we'll love to have you. And obviously, that's such a good cause uh, to support. But we, we love to have you. But, but for me, it even becomes more fun because I, I think ideal on the corporate side of things, and I was talking about this earlier in the podcast, you know, we do a ton of corporate work and, and that's a very specific job. You know, when we create at our theaters and our public spaces, we can do whatever the hell we want and people will like it or not like it, but it doesn't really matter in the sense that it's ours. When you start doing corporate work, you're, you're working under very different constraints and you're trying to deliver something that fits into their corporate world. And, you know, it, they're all the same, right? It starts out like this. Mm-hmm. We want something really funny, um, but can you please not make it funny? That's generally <laughs> how the conversation goes. Uh, and, and, right. and, and, and what happens is, you know, we're constantly, and I'm constantly, you know, trying to push these people along to ideas. So when someone like yourself comes along, where you've got all the ideas, and all I got to say is like, yeah, sure. Like, oh my God, it's my dream. No, but you were such a good sport. You let us decorate your whole, like your place of business. So all over, we, I mean, we made like light strings that were like tiny little tampons. We put like iHeart tampon bumper stickers all over the men's and women's rooms. I mean, we really, um, 
we put signs up everywhere and people walked in were like, oh my God, what has happened to this place? Right. It was the greatest. It was the greatest. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the thing is, and, and I, I even see this in my own business, in the comedy and the entertainment world, I see people take themselves and take it way too serious. I'm like, we're a god darn comedy theater in the basement of the North End. What? I'm going to care of these people that are contributing, uh, a, you know, a thousand dollars to no rest of the wicked funny. Uh, they want to they just want to put up small tampon lights. Oh, geez. Go ahead. Come on. You know, and, 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 and I really try to there's a fine line between being professional and not taking yourself too seriously. So we're happy, happy to support that. So what you know, w- within that, so that that we, we kind of worked together back in December. How how has has anything uh, changed, you know, because you're still growing your business uh, to then be impacted by this, you know, complete stoppage of the world. How has that uh, impacted you? Because as we were talking offline, for me, it's, you know, look, I've had to close all of our businesses down. So it's been, it's been a pretty big impact. How has that impacted what you folks are doing? I, tremendously. And I think everybody, I don't think there's anybody in any industry that's not impacted in some way. I mean, what was so great is we had finally gotten noticed and it started with the buyer of Wegman saw us on social media and asked us to launch in other stores. Um, and so we had a total of eight retailers throughout the Northeast, major retailers that agreed to bring our products in. And when we brought in, we've just launched a new plant-based product. It's amazing. Um, it happened, it, you know, it literally showed up, you know, a week or two before everything was closed down. So all of our retail launch has been put on hold. They're just starting to um, start to set plans to, but you can't ask supermarkets to reset their shelves when their stores are, I mean, you've been to a store, it's terrible. It's uh, people are, are there working, people are running in, running out, getting what they, it's just, it's just a whole different retail environment. And so we just had to think about what we could do uh, to keep things afloat. And there were, there were two pieces, you know, on the business front, we had just set up our Amazon store and our Amazon store, believe it or not, it's like toilet paper. It was like the next big rush. So we've had a really big surge in our online business, um, which really kept the lights on. Um, it was amazing. We would, I have like this Amazon app on my phone. I'm obsessed with it. Like it's, I, I, there's orders all over the country. I'm like, how do these people even find us? And side story, one of the ways they're finding us is when I named our company Top the Organic Project, it was truly like an acronym and it's a movement and we're going to change the world. Um, well, now when people search, search engine optimization, they search, you know, top organic tampons, like meaning the best, we come up. I'm like, huh, look at that. <laughs> so, Brilliant. Uh, so we've been doing pretty well online. I know. Isn't that fantastic? We're, like, we're, so that? <laughs> officially after this podcast, we are changing the name of the company to uh, Top Improv. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And then we're going to be yeah. changing Laugh Boston to Top Stand Up Comedy. And we are just, whatever yes. we do, we're just naming it Top. All right. <laughs> That's what we're doing from I'm here. I'm telling on. you, is All that right. not the greatest thing ever? So it's I've like I've trademarked it and like I thought it just so that was like all these like crazy things because like so the stars are aligning. Like I know I'm supposed to do this. So we did that. And then on the on the social impact, we also had to lean into you know, we've always had a give back model, but we just stepped it up to, I mean, we just did 110,000 product donation with this organization started by a girl at Harvard University called period.org, because one of the biggest needs at all these shelters and all these places where girls used to be able to get product at school, um, there's a huge, huge, right. huge 
Um, I mean, you can't use food stamps to buy feminine hygiene products. So we really, we leaned in hard to our social impact right now. And we leaned in hard into Amazon and advertising and building out our Amazon store. So, I mean, that's what we're doing. I just think, you know, everything that we're doing, trying to be different, I think you you really have to, it's so important that we all take care of each other right now and show that as a company because it's part of our core values. And And I think what I love is that, when you start your own company, you can do that. You can lean into your core values. You can take a stand, even if it's not um, something that a big company, if it's, you know, we're giving away more than we're selling this month, but that's okay. Like this is a, a window in time where you have to lean in and, and you're incredibly um, generous with the work that you do with charities. And I just think that that's, that's such a cool part of what we do. And yeah. it, the, to be able to, to help people and it, it feels good and to be in control of that during times like these. And, and I think, and, I, and I've always talked about it and, and you're probably experiencing that now as well, you know, especially coming from the corporate background that you have, the, the best and most rewarding thing that I've ever gotten out of, out of you know, the, the line of work and, and my career path, it's, it's the freedom. Right. It's the freedom to make decisions and and it's the freedom to control a certain amount of your own destiny. And it doesn't mean that you're going to make the most money. I always say, like, hey, look, don't get into my you want to make money. Don't get into my business. There's a zillion (laughs) different way, easier ways to make money. There's a zillion different easier ways than starting your own business, as I'm sure, you know, and and you're finding out. Uh, But on the other hand, that freedom to exactly do what you just said, to support the organizations that you want to support and not asking anybody's permission to do so. And for me, it was always, you know, beyond that, but like, you know, I want to coach my kids, my daughter's sports teams. I do. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. I don't ask anybody's permission. I just do it. And and it's, it's that to me that it's the freedom of, of uh, decision-making uh, more than anything else that I think uh, that I, I cherish the most out of, you know, being an entrepreneur. Well, and it lets you be creative. Like I just find, I didn't realize how stifled I was um, and how how creative you can be when you're set free and you can do these things. And I think Richard Branson is an awesome example. I love his spirit and I love because he's clearly a smart businessman and he has built all these companies, but he's also very, you know, true to who he is. And you know what he does? He has fun. And I think that's what I figured out. Like once I got the suit, it's the fun suit. It's not only flattering and amazing, but it's fun. Um, We're having fun. Like we're working our asses off. We work all the time. There's no work-life balance. It's a work-life integration. Like it's just part of who we are, but we're having a blast. Like we can do whatever we want and, and we can be nice to people and we can like, I'm not fighting with people all day long. Like I did in corporate America. Like it's just, it's, it is really hard and you are not going to make a lot of money, certainly initially, but it just, it is so, um, the people that we have met, the experiences that we've had, the impact that I know that we're making and the role model that we're showing our children, I think is, uh, I would not change a thing. Well, that's, you know, what, what you're, what you guys are doing there. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's, not only as a business and a business idea, but but who, whom you're helping, it, it's certainly very inspirational, even on my end. Where where can our listeners find out more about uh, Top the Organic Project? Yes, please um, look for us uh, on our website. We're just we're toptheorganicproject.com. We're on everything. We're on Twitter and LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook and um, and you're going to be able to find us very soon uh, throughout retailers. Um, retail us throughout the Northeast, and then we'll be spreading across the country. 
we've signed on some great distributors and we are going to be uh, activating our store locator on our website too. So you can um, check us out in store and, but for now buy us on our website or Amazon um, and we'll keep you posted, but I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that you have me on the show. Thank you so much. Oh my God. Thanks for coming on the show. I mean, this, this is exactly what the show is about it is to, is to, it's not just, it's really not based in entertainment in the sense that it's more about just trying to tell people there's a lot of really cool stuff that you can do if you just take a chance. Right. And, 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 and the thing that holds us all back is, is being scared, scared, scared of being judged, of failing, of having people tell us we look stupid or that's a dumb idea or why would you do that? Or you're probably going to fail. And, and, and that's what holds most of us back. And, and if you can punch through that, then you do have an opportunity to, to, I think, gain experiences in life that you never have. And, and if, and we've talked about it on previous podcasts here with what everybody's going through right now, if this doesn't tell you that you better do some shit for yourself because you don't know how long it and you and everybody else is going to be here, what are you waiting for? Right. I mean, and, and that's what I'm hoping that people are going to get uh, out of this reset with uh, with this, you know, pandemic. So that, so that's what it is. So uh, we'll definitely have you back at Improv Asylum if you guys want to be back there for No Rest for the Wicked Funny. I don't know if you've done this, uh, uh, but one of my favorite things to do, and as, as a matter of fact, I, I was working on them last week. Uh, I've got my stand up. Uh, I, I got my stand up uh, paddle boards all ready to go. And I'm probably going to start getting on the water next week uh, when the water, when the weather turns warmer. I don't know if you've uh, stand up paddle boarded yet uh, in a tampon costume. Have you done that yet? <laughs> oh, my God. That is so. I just got a paddle board from Levitate for my birthday. I I'm so Levitate. excited. Both of my boards are from Levitate as well. So uh, I would love it if uh, when the weather turns a little bit nicer uh, and, and uh, I, I know the ins, yeah. uh, the ins and outs of uh, Duxbury Bay and all that stuff, uh, if we could both put on a, a tampon uh, costume and, and go out on, oh the, my God, on our paddle that boards. Oh hysterical. We'll do it right off uh, Island Creek Moisture. Oh, I love it. Oh my God. That and I'm perfect. actually not very good. So it'll be hilarious because I'm highly absorbent. So as soon as I fall in the ocean, it's game over. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll make sure that you have plenty of life jackets on to pop you back up. Okay. That is all. Oh my God. It's a date. I'm in. That sounds amazing. <laughs> all right. Very cool. Uh, well, Time Selvin, uh, CEO, co-founder of Top the Organic project thank you so much for being here uh as always uh ari goldberg our producer ari thank you for keeping us online and getting all this stuff recorded thank you very much you're very welcome cool and uh, thank you you. thank you norm thank you ari no problem problem. and for anybody that is looking to uh to support you know all all the uh, comedians and the actors that are currently out of work uh certainly at improv asylum laugh boston but uh all around new england uh new york city the globe uh if you have any interest you want to support those folks no rest for the wicked funny uh is our is our charity foundation and while that's typically been used to support uh cradles to crayons and uh the globe santa we've shifted our focus so we're using that to help uh get money to uh artists comedians actors uh those in the creative industries that have lost their jobs so you can always make a donation there at no rest for the Wicked Funny Foundation. You can find that online. Ari will link all that. Ari will link everything else that we're talking to. Uh, thanks mm-hmm. again for joining us. My name is Norm Lavalette. This is Beyond the Norm. Thank you, Celia. Stage control.